Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode. Hey, guess what? Before we get into it, you might have heard, I am drafted to the two Ramagpies as a part of the Carlton Draft. I'm going to be playing a game, dominating, kicking six, and then resetting at quarter time. For the first time in Carlton Draft history, one lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance to draft the AFLW GOAT, Erin Phillips, to play as a wild card. How bloody good's that? If you want to enter this now to get her down to your football club, visit thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com.au. 18 plus, drink responsibly. KO's got you covered this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. Wow, in the AFL this week, there are some huge games. Collingwood versus Adelaide, live with no ad break during play, exclusive in Victoria. Giants versus Bulldogs. Oh, I remember that game. I think it was 2016 at Giants Stadium to get the Bulldogs into the grand final. I will never forget that one. Live with no ad breaks free during play. Exclusive in Victoria. And Essendon versus North Melbourne. Jeez, that's the old Ben McKay Cup. Exclusive to Fox Footy. Available on KO. Don't forget those NBA playoffs. They are dominating at the moment. It is just getting bigger and better than ever. Watch every game of both Eastern and Western Conferences finals live with ESPN on KO. There's plenty of room for everyone, no matter what you want to watch. So get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. Yes, my lovely friends. Welcome back to Dylan Friends. My name is Dylan. I am the Dylan Dylan Friends. Now, welcome back. How good is this? Hey, haven't done a really cool episode like this in a while. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. Hope you're well. Um, if, you're, if you're coming back, I appreciate you. You know that. I love you. We have that special bond. Now, this week on the podcast, an awesome, awesome guest. As I said, haven't done an episode like this in a while, and I was so pumped for this one. Russ Harris. Russ is a doctor. He's a psychologist. Incredible, incredible guy. Um, and pretty funny how this one came about too. Now, if you remember... The show, or remember the episode with Jonah Oliver, I talk about that one a lot, easily one of my favorite episodes, learned so much from him, he is a high performance um, psychologist and works with Cam Smith in um, the golf, loved the chat with him about you know sports psychology, nerves, price of admission, all things like this were super, super cool, um, competence versus confidence. Now, Russ is actually a friend of Jonah's and we got into a bit of an email Russ, uh, so Jonah introduced me to Russ to get him on the pod. He said, if you if you love interesting chats, Russ is your man. And he honestly didn't disappoint. He's an incredible guy. Um, he was a medical doctor and now he is a psychotherapist and best-selling author, has sold over 1 million copies worldwide of The Happiness Trap. Um, he's actually got a few other books too, which I said to Russ, I was like, mate, we need to get you back in and talk about all these things because he is genuinely awesome. He, um, as I said, was a doctor. He was struggling with his own sort of mental health issues and thought there has to be some other way to combat um, these things. And we spoke a lot about acceptance commitment therapy, so ACT therapy um, is what he sort of specializes in. We spoke, we spoke about um, creating genuine and lasting happiness, accepting uncomfortable thoughts, and letting go of fear of anxiety. And to be honest, this is something that I always speak about a lot. It's something that I'm always trying to get better at in my own personal life. So I thought like this was just a really incredible episode and, and completely blessed to have him on the pod as well. Um, so I really, really enjoyed this one and I hope you will too. I'm sure you will because it was bloody, bloody awesome. Anyway, I'll let you get into it. Let me know your thoughts. Um, as I said, I absolutely love this. I'd love for you to DM if you enjoyed it. Um, hit us up on Dylan Friends Instagram. Let us know what you think. And also if you have a spare second, maybe 
three seconds it might take you to go and rate the podcast. Um, unfortunately, the four stars, three stars, two stars, one stars are broken, so you have to give it five stars. I know it's super weird, but yeah, give it five stars. And if you know someone else who might benefit from this episode, share it on. It really helps the podcast grow. It means a lot. IllyXX, love you. Hi, fam. It's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friend. He gives you a back rub. This is, you know, going well, Brian. Oh, special. Get comfortable and uncomfortable. Just keep showing up and find a way. Cam was so nervous he couldn't swallow water. Handed him a sheet of paper with six names and said, Chief, we've got to cut these six blokes. Wow, shut up. I've just been barbed by Stingray, mate. I'm just yelling, oh, you saved my life, you saved my life, you saved my life. Thank you, thank you. I spent the last, I think it was a couple of weeks in jail. The deepest, darkest moments often bring about our biggest highs. Dr. Russ, how are you? Um, good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we've worked out that we're like neighbours. Yeah, we I should know, hang out. Kinda, yeah, yeah, go for a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been? Can I pick up a little accent? Yeah. So uh, I I left England about thirty years ago uh, to come here for a a, a working holiday, and then just fell in love with the place. Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne. So, but when I go back, I'm from Liverpool originally. And they go, "Where are you from? You're, you're not from here. Where are you from?" <laughs> Have you got the Australian twang now that they pick up? They or? reckon I sound yeah. Aussie over there. Well, know, I've got a cousin who is living um, abroad. She's been in like uh, in England for four years, yeah. and she comes back with like a little twang now as well. So it just shows how much you can like pick yeah. it up along the way. Are you an EPL man? Um, no. No. Okay. Either am I. So that's good. <laughs> Fantastic. I was just going to pretend I was for a little bit. I knew a little. Uh, I go for Arsenal. But I don't know any players that um that play there. Um, mate, absolute honour to get you on the pod today. It's I'm so excited for this genuinely and, and making your time. I know how busy you are. Um, but our short relationship, which I hope hopes a long one from today's, come through a mutual friend of ours, Jonah Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Fantastic sports psychologist and knows his stuff. Yeah, it was so cool when um, I got an email from him linking in with you. Like, how did that come about? Because I'm such a huge fan of his. I think one of his episodes last year, I I talk about it a lot, how much it um, was really special and helped me a lot. Yeah, well, you know, so a lot of what I do these days is travel around Australia training psychologists and doctors and uh, other health professionals in how to manage depression, anxiety, stress, and so forth without using drugs. Mm. And um, so it must be about 20 years ago, Jonah came along to one of those workshops and he was very interested in kind of taking this approach and applying it in the sports world, which he's done with uh, fantastic uh, results. Yeah, he sure has. Do you still um, consult with patients or more just other psychologists now? Uh, a handful, but yep. mostly what I'm doing now is writing books and training uh, health professionals. Yeah, it's incredible. Sold over a million um, copies of um, The Happiness Trap, which we'll get into later. This is genuinely exciting. I've got a book out too, which has sold about three copies. So to sort of stand <laughs> with someone that's had a second edition and um, over 50% new material, it must be pretty special to be holding that. Yeah, look, it is special. It, uh, it's, it got rejected by every publisher in Australia initially, and this tiny little New Zealand publishing house went with it, and they call it their sort of Harry Potter, you know. So, so uh, but it, again, I was, it was just at the point of giving up, and uh, and they came out of the out of the blue and said, "Oh, we like this." So. That's so cool. So when you wrote it. You were shopping it around to sort of yeah. get it to people. Obviously, you always backed it in that you knew that there was some great information in there, which proves having a million copies sold. But how long did it take for it to sort of take off? Well, so 
Yeah, I wrote the book in 2005. It, it didn't get published until 2007. So this approach is called acceptance and commitment therapy mm. or in the world of sports and performance, it's called acceptance and commitment training. Um, it's become very, very popular now. Uh, but 20 years ago, no one had heard of it, mm. um, and so <laughs> people were like, "What is this?" And you know, it was it was quite countercultural at the time. Um, so uh, it, yeah, it took a long time. It took two years to get it published, and then oh, I don't know, another three or four years of hard yakka before it finally started to you know take off and be successful. It wasn't a an overnight thing. <laughs> what was the biggest turning point for it? Like, did something sort of catapult it, or did someone? Was it just gradual over time? I think it was really gradual over time because I, I started just running a lot of training around yeah. it. And so all the people that came to my training, most of them were doctors, psychologists and so forth. And so they were like, oh, you know, read this book. This will really help the work that we're doing. So they kind of became salespeople for the book. And I think that's that's how it took off. Yeah. Awesome. To learn more about um, ACT, uh, acceptance, commitment therapy, I suppose I'd love to go back to a little bit at the start to realize how you got involved with it yeah what was your because you were a doctor originally yeah i was a gp, a GP. Uh, so you know I, I i trained in the uk i came to australia and was working here and fell in love with it i was a gp in melbourne and um i was depressed and i was anxious and i was miserable and i, I couldn't understand it you know i like, got the doctor i got the status living in one of the best countries on the planet you know and 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 yet I was absolutely miserable. <laughs> my main method of uh, of pushing away my anxiety and my misery was eating uh, Tim Tams. So uh, shouldn't uh, laugh. At that, so, that's that's, that's <laughs> some serious. So I was huge. I mean, I was like you know uh, 15, 20 kilograms heavier than I am wow. today, and I was like in my mid twenties, and I had high blood pressure. So um, it was. Uh, I was like, why am I so miserable? And I, I started exploring different ways of dealing with depression and anxiety, and found a lot of really good stuff. But when it all came together was when I first discovered this um, model that had come out of America called. Um, so in therapy, it's called acceptance and commitment therapy. You know, in in the world of sports, it's usually called psychological flexibility training. Mm -hmm. So there's different names for it, but um, it was an approach that just immediately resonated resonated with me. I thought, wow, this is amazing. It sort of transformed my life. And then I thought, I, I've got to get this stuff out there. So I started working one-on-one -on -one with, uh, I'd already made a shift from being a GP to being a therapist by then. And it was just getting great results with my clients uh, in therapy. And I thought, well, how do I get this out to more people? Oh, let's write a book. Um, what did you try before this? Like, were you, when you, uh, did you know, like being a doctor, I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor myself, but I can imagine that'd be quite scary in a sense of going, well, I'm a doctor, I'm a health professional, mm. but I've also got some um, depression and anxiety issues. Mm. Was that... Uh, yeah, it was. It was a bit of a shock. And, you know, certainly in, in medical training, I don't know if it's changed now, but back then it was all really the only, you didn't, it was all about medication and taking antidepressants and anti-anxiety tablets and so forth, which was a path I didn't really want to go mm. down. Um, so it was, it was as I started reading books on psychology, I started to get very interested in psychological health, which eventually led to a change in profession um, with a big drop in income. <laughs> you, you make a lot more money as a doctor than you do as a therapist. So, yeah, I didn't want to go down the path of, of medication. Uh, it's, uh, so I started reading various books on psychology and attending various sort of workshops in different models of therapy. Uh, so probably the best 
Snow model out there, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm. There's some good stuff in there. Um, I, I looked at sort of mindfulness meditation. I looked at, you know, all the sort of pop positive thinking and NLP and all of this kind of stuff. Um, but none of it really kind of gave me exactly what I wanted. And so when I discovered when I act, it was really love at first sight. It was like, wow, hallelujah, you know. Were you training yourself or were you seeking it from someone else? Like, were you Oh, going- so I was going to workshops with yeah. other people that were running these courses. Um, uh, the, the first time I actually came across ACT, I, I'd, I'd been trying to create something like it myself, but really struggling. Mm. And, uh, and a mate said to me, you know, go and check out this textbook. Uh, and so I, I went to the bookstore and bought the textbook on ACT and I stayed up all night reading it until like 5 a.m. in the morning. I couldn't put it down. It was really uh, like the clouds parted. There were, you know angels singing the hallelujah chorus mm. it was like this is amazing and then shortly thereafter i flew over to the states to train with the guy who created this uh, stephen hayes is a professor of psychology at the university of reno nevada wow uh, so. do, you, do you know what's crazy is like i had a sip i've had two feelings like this in my life like that you're explaining and i, I feel like they could be similar is you know i've dealt with um I've only really realized that my whole life I used to just think I was a super nervous person. Like I was always like, oh, feeling really nervous, yeah. not realizing that it was like probably something a little bit deeper. Yeah. And I only sort of realized it was like going into like prenatal, um, you know, I had a baby and things were starting to sort of heat up a little bit in my life. And for so long, I just like put off conversations that I never wanted to have. And exactly what, I don't know if we're having the conversation off air before or on air, it was like, just avoiding absolutely any fucking feeling that I could ever feel yeah. of any stress whatsoever. Yeah. And there was two things that like have really given me a sign of that hope that you look for when you read something that you think that, fuck, I'm not alone. Yeah. And one was the feeling that you are talking. I was reading a chapter, and I'm not a big reader, but I read a chapter of this book called Dare. Have you mm-hmm. ever Barry McDonough, have you ever heard the book Dare? No. But I think it's it's a similar right. process to your, your story as well yeah. in the sense of it was the first time I'd read something going like, oh, my God, I'm not the only person that yeah. has ever felt like this or had these thoughts or yeah. thought about it in this sense. Yeah. Well, like everyone has this going on. You yeah. Know? Um, it's sort of the, the, the human mind's evolved in such a way that it just naturally creates psychological suffering for everyone. You know, you've got a, a, a mind that has evolved to predict and anticipate danger. Like if there was a caveman or cave woman <laughs> that, that wasn't really good at anticipating threats and danger, they didn't live very long. Mm. So now after, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, our mind's doing this all the time. You know, what might go wrong? Uh, I might fail. I might screw up. I might get rejected. This might not work. That might go, you know, like, have you ever been awake at three o'clock in the morning with your mind doing this? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I think so. Maybe once or twice. <laughs> yeah, I'll be, I'll... And I'm sure most of the listeners have too, right? Yeah. You know, uh, the same thing also our minds have evolved to reflect on painful stuff from the past like as a caveman if you survived an encounter with a woolly mammoth it's useful to reflect on that how did I escape what did I do to get away then you can use that knowledge next time but in the modern world we do this all the time why did I say that stupid thing why did I get drunk why did I make that mistake oh such an idiot you know and so we just spend a lot of time dwelling on the past and worrying about the future and then the third thing is as a cave person you've got to be really good at spotting problems Um, uh, if you don't spot problems you're dead and so in the modern world we're just spotting problems everywhere when we're often spotting problems that aren't really problems so this is a normal human mind it sees problems everywhere conjures up fears about the future uh, dwells on pain from the past and 
on top of all of that, our minds are just uh, incredible at judging. Because if you think about it as a cave person, you've got to fit in with the group, right? Like mm-hmm. if the tribe, the group you belong to kick you out, what happens? You're dead, right? Yeah. You know, you're not going to live very long. The wolves will eat you for lunch, or if you survive lunch, the bears will get you for dinner. You're not going to make it till the next day. So, how does your mind ensure you fit in with the group? It compares you to every other member. Am I fitting in? Am I doing enough? Am I doing the right thing? Am I measuring up? Am I doing anything that might get me thrown out? Does this sound a bit like your mind? Well, it just affirms <laughs> that I could have been the best caveman ever. <laughs> I think I could have lived for a long time if I was a caveman. But those sort of values have probably. They're not relevant in the modern world now. Yeah, well, as the, much. The, the, well, the, the problem is in the modern yeah. world, it's not just a small group. Now it's, you can compare yourself to people on Facebook and Instagram and TV shows. I mean, you, you know, a, a teenage girl can compare her body to a, an airbrushed supermodel. Mm. Uh, and so as a result of this constant comparison to other members of the group, virtually everyone starts to get this sense of, I'm not good enough from a very young age. Because you think about it, even as a toddler, all the people in your family are bigger, faster, stronger than you. So for almost everyone, with rare exceptions, the kind of first I'm not good enough stories start showing up when you're you're still in childhood. It's interesting, isn't it? Well, again, having, as soon as you sort of came in, I was already chewing your ear off, but we're talking about the sense that two parts. One, I was like, I'm so sick of this fucking word anxiety. Like, it's just such a a word that, you know, it plays such a role. I feel like it comes up all the time, whether it's talking about it, thinking about it, doing podcasts about it. And it's almost like I'm I'm annoyed at the word because even now it's like, (laughs) People can overuse that word yeah. going, I'm feeling anxiety. It's like, no, you're just anxious at the moment or you're just nervous at the moment versus this is what actual yeah. anxiety is. Yeah. I mean, you know, anxiety is a normal human emotion that everybody feels in a, in a challenging situation with an uncertain outcome. Um, but as you say, there's different words for it. You can talk about fight or flight response. You can talk about an adrenaline rush. You can talk about being nervous or wired up. Um, if you kind of think of the, and this may be more relevant to you, you know, the the the, the kind of the rock star or the actor that gets stage fright and won't go on. Mm. Or the rock star and actor that says this is an adrenaline rush, I'm pumped, I'm revved. It's the same internal experience, what what technically is called anxiety. But the, the ones going, I don't like this, this is bad, this is awful, I can't go out on stage until this anxiety is gone. Whereas the other is, I'm going to use this and channel it into my performance. So this is exactly the point before, and you've said it way better than I ever could, but the point of this um, earlier thing that I read um, from that, that book that I was talking about was that the fear of excitement and anxiety are both the exact same thing. Yeah. And it's actually how you perceive it that is actually how you get the feeling from it. So this method that I tried was almost like when I'm feeling like this, it's almost like pretending that you're really enjoying it and you welcome it and you're like, this is the best. I love this. You know, give me the biggest fucking anxiety attack you've ever given in your life. And all of a sudden it started going down because yeah. I don't know what it was. I was like tricking myself into thinking that I was having fun. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. I mean, that's a big part of what we do in acceptance and commitment yeah. training or therapy because that's the acceptance part. It's like, come on in, anxiety. Yeah. I've got room for you, you know. I love you, man. You rock. <laughs> I love this. Um, and it, it's because... Because like we were talking before yeah. we started recording about anxiety disorders. Yes. So what turns a normal human emotion of anxiety into 
an anxiety disorder is avoidance. If you're like, anxiety is bad, I can't have it, I've got to make it away, I can't do the things that I want in life, until anxiety goes and you start shrinking your life, avoiding the stuff that triggers these feelings, um, what actually happens is that the more you try to push it, uh, suppress it, avoid it, the bigger it gets. Mm. Uh, it's like... Um, it's almost like you develop a sort of struggle switch at the back of your mind. Anxiety shows up, struggle switch goes on. I don't like this. I want it gone. Please get rid of this. Mm. Ooh, now I've got anxiety about my anxiety. Oh, no, it's getting bigger. More anxiety. Oh, no, bigger still. This is how you get panic attacks and so forth. You know, it's this struggle with anxiety that just amplifies it. So when you said you kind of welcome it in and make yeah. friends with it and surprisingly it drops, that's what... 1,000 published studies show when you stop the struggles with anxiety, it actually reduces. You're reading my mind. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've never really spoken about this before, but I'm more than happy to, that, that it was really crazy because well, I went through this really strange time last year where I was anxious, kept avoiding it, avoided it even more. The more I avoided it, the more it came. And it almost got so big that like I... It, it nearly turned into like a form of OCD. Like I just like kept thinking, of, I couldn't not think about it. Yeah. And it nearly floored me. Like I couldn't like even leave the house for like a couple of days. Yeah. And it got to the point where like I'd actually had a panic attack. Like I was so, I couldn't move. Yeah. And without that like happening and going through that whole experience, it was, it was terrible. And I still, now I just have anxiety about that thing that will happen again. But I've learned that that's actually just a pathway that it's how it works without sort of accepting it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So kind of switching off that. So this is one of the things that we kind of teach people how to do. Yeah. So back to the book um, before we not out low life's problems and no one ever has to experience anything ever again but <laughs> smiles and, and laughter. Um, the Happiness Trap. Stro uh, stop struggling, start living. Why is that the name of the book? Uh, well... It's called The Happiness Trap because popular ideas about happiness are misleading and inaccurate and will actually make you miserable if you hold on to them and base your life on them. Uh, and probably the most common of these is the idea that happiness means feeling good. It means an absence of uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. And so the best way for me to be happy is to try to avoid or get rid of all the difficult thoughts and feelings. And if you're holding on to that idea or that attitude, it's actually going to, you know, we're just talking about what happens with anxiety. The, 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 can I give a jargon term here? Please do. So the jargon term is experiential avoidance. And this is a, this means the ongoing attempt to try to avoid and get rid of unwanted, unpleasant thoughts and feelings. And what the research shows is the higher your level of experiential avoidance, the more desperate you are to avoid and get rid of difficult thoughts and feelings, the greater your risk of depression, anxiety disorders, addiction. The list just goes on and on and on. Wow. So um, just to break that down even just from yeah. my um own uh brain so you're saying like just say for example you know the more we don't want to think about uh certain things in the past or certain things that are happening right now or avoiding any sort of hard conversations the more yeah. that's actually just going to build up and yeah. face other things yeah exactly yeah. i mean there's lots of good research on this you know you kind of um if you if i tell you you know don't think about a white bear you're immediately going to think about a white mm. bear and so uh if you start trying to push away thoughts worrying thoughts depressing thoughts the research shows that they do go away in the short term but there's a rebound effect they come back with greater and greater frequency and intensity Mm. you know
What did um if you have to talk about your own situation in this, I'm not you know, you don't have to go into specifics, but like how was that sort of presenting for you? Well, it's like I was doing these kind of positive thinking strategies and challenging my negative thoughts and trying to replace them with positive ones and practicing relaxation techniques and all of those things kinda of, they do work a little bit, you know, um but this stuff just kept coming back and back, you know, and, and it, it's sort of uh, uh, I, I guess I just wasn't really satisfied. I just mm-hmm. want to. Uh, and so the idea of actually just accepting this stuff is was so weird. You know, I, I hate this stuff. I hate these thoughts and feelings. What? what? But let's give it a go. And uh, it, you know, the problem is the word acceptance is often misunderstood. Like mm-hmm. People often think accepting means liking it, wanting it, tolerating it, sucking it up, giving in. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means kind of really opening up, making room, and just allowing this stuff to flow through you. Let mm-hmm. it come and go in its own good time. You know, Sometimes these thoughts and feelings hang around for a long time. Sometimes they move through very quickly. But if you just open up and make room for it, then you don't amplify it. You, know, you don't switch on that struggle switch and make it bigger and messier and mm. stickier um, and, and so it, it's it's paradoxical stuff it's it's the opposite of what we think should work but I mean it's like you 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 drive right? yep. and uh, you know that when when your car is skidding what does your instinct tell you to do go the other way both really yeah. isn't it that's what your instinct is slam on the brakes go the other way both yeah. of which makes the skid worse yeah. and whereas to get out of the skid what you need to do is gently work the, <laughs> the brake and uh, turn into it mm. but you only know that because you, you learn to drive you know and, and it's the same also uh, you've you've seen those old cowboy films where the guy falls into the quicksand and yeah. right, what do you need to do in quicksand we meant to go slow out of it you? you're supposed yeah. to like stretch out yeah. then you can float but if you struggle it sucks you down so you oh, know. I've got another one for you on that you Bondi Beach okay <laughs> don't swim into the rip yeah. you've got to go back out yeah. and that's one thing that I learned the hard way as well yeah. <laughs> yeah. so all of these things so it's the same with our own thoughts and feelings this mm. doesn't come naturally our instinct is to struggle with the stuff avoid it suppress it but all of that just has this this rebound effect that makes it bigger and bigger you know is there a, is there a sort of like a um, a way you could sort of break that I, I know each person situation listening to this they've probably all got one thing or two things in their mind yeah. going oh it's like that thing that i try and avoid yeah. or this i try and avoid is there a generic sort of case study you can give us to practice that or do you have to sort of talk to a specific thing no we can do that so uh, i mean it's probably easier um in this setting to to deal with thoughts rather yeah. than feelings feelings is a, is a bit bit harder but um you know here's a little exercise so uh I'll get your listeners to do it and and you can do it and Darcy can do it too and we'll kind of see how it goes. So just bring to mind a a sort of negative thought that um, I often use the word hooks, you know, kind of thoughts and feelings hook us and they kind of, they pull our attention away from what we're doing or they jerk us into self-defeating patterns of behavior or they just jerk us around. So I'll ask your listeners to kind of uh, pick a thought that hooks you. Let's start with a a not good enough story um, or a worry about something, Mm. Um, you know, (laughs) I mean, it's, uh, 
whenever I have a new client, uh, I, you know, one of my routine questions is like, if I could listen into your mind when it's beating you up, what are the meanest, nastiest things I'd hear it saying, you know, and, and you know, if you could listen into my mind, you hear it say, well, it's not like this all the time, mm. but when it gets stuck into me, it's, you know, I'm fat, I'm old, I'm stupid, I'm lazy, I'm workaholic, I'm boring, I don't fit in, I'm different to everyone else, I'm weird, you know, I'm a bad dad. And, you know, if I could listen into your mind, Dill, when it's really, really giving you a hard time what are the the nastiest uh, things I'd hear it saying mm. uh, you're fraud oh uh, yeah, yeah I get that one I'm a fraud yeah <laughs> massive fraud um, yeah pretender uh, you yeah bad dad you work too much focus on the wrong things selfish yeah yeah I get that yeah there's that. <laughs> plenty plenty of plenty of them yeah I mean there's no shortage and I'm yeah. sure everyone listening to this has got multiple versions of not good enough so uh, let's work with that one what I'm going to ask you to do uh, I'll ask you and the listeners to is to just for about 10 seconds buy into that thought get that thought in your head I'm a bad dad or I'm a fraud or I'm a loser and for 10 seconds I want you to buy into it believe it as much as you possibly can it's going to be unpleasant but then I'm going to take you through a way to unhook from it so that it loses some of its impact so let's just do this now I'm, I'm I've got one buy into it believe it don't push it away don't challenge it. Don't try to replace it with a positive thought. Buy into it. Believe it. Let it hook you. And and if you're really getting hooked, you should feel uncomfortable. It's usually unpleasant when we're hooked. Now, the next step is to replay that thought with these words in front. I'm having the thought that. I'm having the thought that I'm a bad dad. I'm having the thought that I'm an imposter. The next step is to replay it with a slightly longer phrase. I notice I'm having the thought that. I notice I'm having the thought that I'm a loser. So what happened as you did that? I suppose it was just noticing that it's a, it's a thought and it's not actually true. It's not actually... It's a thought. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and so it's kind of... Um, that's usually the first skill that I mm. teach people is like there's a huge difference between I'm a loser and oh, I'm having the thought that, that I'm a loser, loser. you know. And we can go further with that. We can call it the loser story. Oh, there's the loser story. <laughs> we can go even further. And, oh, thanks, mine. There's the loser story. I've heard this one before, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, have a bit of a playfulness about it. Because uh, our mind only does this because it's it's misguided attempt to try and uh, help us, you know. It's kind of why does your mind beat you up? It's like one of those school teachers from a hundred years ago let's just beat this boy into shape <laughs> give him a whipping and then he'll sort himself out you know that, that's what your mind's trying to do right and and sometimes it works if you beat yourself up enough it does kind of beat you into shape but most of the time it just ends up paralyzing you and making you depressed and so forth so for sure so yeah just i invite people to just play around with that just when you're getting hooked just notice what the thought is that's hooking you and just reply ah i'm having the thought that and if you're still hooked, go a bit further. I notice I'm having the thought that. I think from that, well, like, is the most important part nearly the, because let me try and speak here. What I'm trying to say is it's so good to have that technique, right? Mm. But the p most important part is using it consistently. Yeah. So yeah. it's like that trigger of, all right, the more you use that, the more it'll come up. And then eventually the goal would be that every time that thought comes up, the more you just come back with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you're never going to get perfect no. at this stuff. But it's just being realistic. There's, like, if, if you've got a a story, a not good enough story that's been showing up since childhood, I'm a loser or whatever, you know, for 30, 40, 50 years, you're not going to be able to get rid of that. But what you can do is, is lay down a new neural pathway that goes, ah, there's the loser story again. Oh, there's the not good enough story. I know this one. Oh, here's my mind beating me up to try and knock me into shape. It's okay, mind. I've got it handled. You know, that's what you can learn to do, you know. Mm. But it, it, yeah, it's for sure it takes practice. It's a skill. It's like any skill. In terms of like acceptance um, therapy, what would be like one of the most common things? Is that what it is? Like mainly the narrative that we tell ourselves, the people trying to, is that like how it's best effective? Well, there's, there's kind of three strands to it. So. Yeah. One strand of it is uh, learning how to open up and make room for difficult thoughts, feelings, emotions, yep. memories. Just learn how to let them flow through you. Yep. That's the sort of acceptance part. The second strand of it, which is equally important, is getting in touch with your values, your yep. heart's deepest desires for how you want to behave, how you want to treat yourself and others, what you want to put into the world, and using those values as a sort of compass to guide your actions and guide what you do in life. Um, and then the third part of it is really focusing your attention, learning how to focus your attention on what you're doing and engage in what you're doing rather than mm. kind of getting distracted. We were talking before the recording started out. We've all got ADHD these yeah. days. You know, It's really hard to focus attention and engage in what you're doing. So all of these three things come together. You know, If, if you ask me to define happiness, I wouldn't define it as feeling good or feeling pleasure or feeling contentment. I'd define it as living a rich, full, and meaningful life in which we feel the full range of human emotions, both the pleasant ones and the painful ones. Mm. And in order to build that sort of life, we kind of live our values, we do the stuff that's important and meaningful. We open up and make room for the full range of human emotions. You'll have love and joy. You'll also have fear and sadness. And we focus on and engage in what we're doing to get the most out of it. Uh, so those three things come together. And it, it really, I mean, they've used this across the whole spectrum of mental health issues. This works with depression and addiction and eating disorders and uh, anxiety disorders. And, um, it, you know, it, it it, obviously, Jonah was talking about the world of sports performance, business performance. It's uh, it, it really seems to apply to every human being, no matter because you're always struggling with something. Mm. That was um, one of the main parts that I remember from Jonah's chat was we just had like an hour and a half chat, and I thought that I'd learned everything that he was talking about, and he'd spoken about you know nerves. It's the price of admission. Yeah. One thing that I repeat on a daily basis yeah. that he sort of talks about. Yeah, and we're talking about that how like athletes get um, nervous or they get anxious right yeah. and we're talking yeah. about today you have to go into that yeah and he was talking about how cam smith was like putting on the 17th green um he was going down i was like oh he just looks so calm like how is he so calm yeah. he's like have you not listened to anything i was saying like he was <laughs> so nervous yeah. he was so nervous he was so anxious yeah he nearly choked on his water but the reason he's so good yeah is he accepts it yeah and goes into it and he feels it yeah and then he performs well, it's like, you know, I'm nervous sitting here with you. It's I, I do public speaking on a regular basis, sometimes live audiences of thousands of people. I've done live TV, live radio, uh, you know, 
I'm anxious being here. It's, I mean, can you see my hands? They're kind of a bit kind of shiny. Have a little feel of them. They're okay. a bit sweaty there. They're yeah, kind of a little bit, bit shaky. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say, don't be nervous. I'm a loser. But then I was like, no, no, I'm having thoughts that I'm a loser. <laughs> I'm, I'm well, but, you know, I'm allowing it to be there. Yeah. It's not stopping me. A, a, again, it's like, okay, well, this is what comes. You know, it's a, a challenging situation. I don't know exactly how it's going to go. I, yeah. I mean, uh, and uh, but it's like, uh, this is what comes with challenging situations and if if i was like oh no i don't want to do that because my hands are sweaty and my heart's racing then i wouldn't be here and i'd miss out on this great opportunity to <laughs> oh, that's awesome no i, I mate, please i'm honored to have you in don't be, don't be silly <laughs> I, I mean i'm so pleased that you guys are talking about this uh, and getting these messages out there because it's it's so common uh, you know especially with men uh, but you know there's something wrong with me if i've got these feelings there's something wrong with me if i've got these thoughts and you know just suck it up and swallow a concrete pill mm -hmm. and you know a, a real man doesn't have these feelings real man never gets depressed or anxious i mean these are the kind of bullshit messages that are out there yeah you know? well far out i wouldn't be a real man if any of those were true but we um now we really appreciate it. i think for us like i i, I like to speak hopefully a lot of people would resonate but with this but like with 16 17 years old i just thought everyone knew what they were doing right and then like as you get older you just realize no one fucking has any idea what they're doing it's we're true. all like as cooked as each other yeah. and the more we can just talk about this stuff the, the better you can feel and i suppose if anyone's listening to this feeling any form of like hope or um excitement it's a trialing something new like that feeling that you experienced mm. when you were first looking at act or what mm. i've had a chat with you today about yeah. it just gives you that such a cool thing of fuck i'm not alone here like these yeah. are this is so normal to experience it, these things absolutely it is normal it's mm. so normal. i mean the statistics are just ridiculous if you you actually uh, so dsm is uh, is this big book stands for the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of oh. Mental Health Disorders. I was going to read that, but uh, I just picked up this one first instead of the happiness trap. Uh, I was going to read that next. Uh, it's a <laughs> big, thick book that you might find on a psychologist's bookcase, and it categorizes all the different types of uh, mental uh, health issues that mm. people have. And, um, you know, so everything from all the things we've been mentioning, depression, anxiety, addiction, and so forth. What the research shows is uh, between 30 to 50% of the population will experience a disorder that's listed within this book at some point in their life. About one in four people is going to experience an addiction. About one in 10 people in any year is suffering from depression. About one in three people will have not anxiety, but an anxiety disorder at some point in their life. Uh, and then if you think about all the stuff that's not considered disorders, like marriage breakups or dealing with the troubles of teenage kids that I'm going through at the moment, mm -hmm. or, you know, just unemployment or poverty or all the big stresses that are out there, then you, you really come to see that the kind of psychological suffering is normal. It's the normal human condition. Uh, and, uh, you know, this idea that's out there of these kind of happy, positive people that are living in this state of bliss all the time, it's just so unrealistic. Mm. You know? No, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I Hello, my beautiful friends and family. Guess what? I am back. I am back. Third time lucky. My third time drafted in my life. I'll be making a return to footy as a part of the Carlton Draft, along with some big household names. Not as big as my name, but uh, some quite big names. Isaac Smith, Trent Cotchen, Matty Lloyd, Lee Montagna. Some of the all-time greats of our game, as I've just mentioned. One lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance 
to draft the AFLW GOAT Aaron Phillips to play as a wild card. How bloody good is that? If you're a part of women's community footy and you are keen to get Aaron down, enter now at thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com.au. 18 plus, drink responsibly. KO's got you covered this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. Wow, in the AFL this week, there are some huge games. Collingwood versus Adelaide, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. Giants versus Bulldogs. Oh, I remember that game. I think it was 2016 at Giants Stadium to get the Bulldogs into the grand final. I will never forget that one. Live with no ad breaks free during play, exclusive in Victoria. And Essendon versus North Melbourne. Geez, that's the old Ben McKay Cup. Exclusive to Fox Footy, available on KO. Don't forget those NBA playoffs. They are dominating at the moment. It is just getting bigger and better than ever. Watch every game of both Eastern and Western Conferences finals live with ESPN on KO. There's plenty of room for everyone, no matter what you want to watch. So get on board with KO, now also available on Hubble. I think that as soon as you realise that, and hopefully you're never going to get things to 100%, and you're you're obviously a doctor and um psychologist and everything you are and you're still experiencing these things like that's an incredible message for people i think mm-hmm. like as much as we can get to where we want to be life just throws things yeah. at us that we have to be capable to to handle and that point that you touched on before about why we talk about this one of my favorite sort of analogies that have come on the show especially for young men a really uh special guy tom harkin um he does a program called tomorrow man right and this really changed my whole perspe- uh, perspective on this sort of stuff it was um talks about range mm. and like men in general there's stoicism there's all these incredible things toughness mm. Mm. you know we can go out and we can kill a cow or whatever yeah. they used to do back in the day <laughs> and, or you can be tough and you can do what you want to do. Yeah. But you can also have range and you can be vulnerable. You can ask for help. Yeah. You can be emotional. You can be yeah. anxious. Yeah. You can be those things. And it doesn't take away from yeah. either or. Yeah. Um, so that's probably like our biggest message or yeah. biggest thing that we're trying to all do is is have range. Be both. Yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't mean you can't be one or the other. Such an important message. So true. Love to talk about the acceptance part of um, ACT of, of ACT because that's like a really big thing for me that was probably the hardest for, for intrusive thoughts or um, you know uncomfortable thoughts. Yeah. And it's it's so repetitive. So the first thing we spoke about was the incredible workshop we just did about replacing it as a thought and yeah. not as yeah. a truth. Yeah. Is there any more other sort of um, strategies of that? Because there's the uncomfortable experience in the body as well. Yeah. Well, all of this is kind of revolves around um, living your values at the core. Yeah. You know, your values are sort of your heart's deepest desires for the sort of person you want to be, how you want to treat yourself and others and the world around you. And uh, you know, as you as you live your values, everyone's values are a little bit different, but probably most people would relate to values around being loving and kind and caring and courageous and honest and open and you know um, a, a simple way to kind of get in touch with your values is, is to think you know what would you want to be remembered for at your funeral what would you want people to to say about the sort of person you were you know if, if they asked you your closest friends or your closest family what were your greatest qualities as a human being not what you'd achieved you know not how much money or status or you know all the things you'd achieved but your qualities as a human being what were you like to be with what would you what would you want them to say yeah. i'll ask you generous mm-hmm. i'd want them to say one word is that my no two of, or three yeah or well yeah i just want them to say that i was i want to sort of be the person that people come to yeah. when they've got um problems 
And I think like, not even problems, just things going on because I, I've reflected on this a lot, but early in my life, like I was, all I wanted to be was liked. Yeah. And then, you know, like every young guy, and then you realize like when the shit hits a fan or when people are going through certain things that they go through in life, they don't go to the people that they like, they go to the people that they respect. Yeah. And that's the same as me, you know, like I'm not going to yeah. Jono that I have six beers with on the weekend when I'm having an anxiety attack. I go to my wife or yeah. my dad or mum that I, you know, have yeah. those relationships with. So for yeah. me, in one word answer, it's being that person. Yeah. So yeah. kind of generous, kind. Yeah. Trustworthy. Yeah. Trustworthy, yeah. supportive. Loyal. Loyal. Yeah. yeah. Open. Open. Yeah. So you know, that would be an example of of, fun. of some fun, <laughs> so, <Legend>. yeah. <laughs> of some key you know values, right? Yeah. And and the more you sort of put those into the world and be the sort of person you want to be, the more fulfilling life gets, right? Mm. So the whole idea of making room for uncomfortable feelings and unhooking from difficult thoughts is to make it easier for you to live your values and do the stuff that's important. So in the ACT approach, we'd never ask anybody to accept feelings of anxiety unless it was going to help them live their values and do the important stuff. Mm. I make room for my anxiety today so that I could come here and do this interview with you because this is important. This matters. You know, this is in line with my one of my core values of helping. You know, mm. it's kind of getting a really important message out there to people. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we get hooked by thoughts that are true. Um, but we can still unhook from them. You know, this guy came to see me a few years back uh, and he, he he was diagnosed with major depression and he, he was a, a huge guy, like massively overweight guy. Um, and he had a really harsh inner critic, you know, I'm fat, I'm disgusting, I'm killing myself, I'm, you know, uh, I've given you the polite edited version. Yeah. This, was, this was a lot ruder than that. Um, and, uh, and so I kind of was taking him through that technique that we've just done. And he goes, but it's true, I really am fat. And he like pulled up his shirt, you know. And I was like, well, <laughs> thanks for sharing. Um, and then I kind of said, you know, look, in this approach, we don't get into debating whether your thoughts are true or false. That's not what it's about. The question is, are they helpful? Are they helping you to live your values and do the things that you want to do? So another one of my favorite ways of getting to values is magic wand question. I wave a magic wand, I said to him. All these depressing thoughts and feelings are like water off a duck's back. They no longer jerk you around in any way. If that happened, how would you treat your body? He said, well, wouldn't eat so much shit, mate. And I said, okay, so what would you eat? Well, less shit, mate. Okay, so you might eat some better food. Yeah, what else? Well, wouldn't sit around all day just watching shit on the telly. Okay, so you might exercise more. Yeah. Okay, so when your mind starts kind of speaking to you this way, I'm fat, I'm disgusting, I'm a loser, does that help you to do those things? Does that help you to, mm. uh, I'm going to call this value self-care. And if you were in touch with this value of self-care, you'd be making different choices. You'd be eating more, exercising more. When your mind says, I'm fat, I'm a loser, whatever, does that help you to kind of live those values and do those things? Well, nah, what happens? Uh, well, I'll just get depressed. Yeah, and then what happens? Well, I'll eat shit. <laughs> it's okay. So we are never going to waste time in this room debating whether these thoughts are true or false. Mm. That's not what's important. The question is, are they helpful? If, if these thoughts are helping you do the stuff you want to do, great. But if they're not, let's unhook from them and let's focus on what matters. So thoughts may or may not be true with this approach. The question is whether they're helpful. It's really interesting. 
Yeah, it's super because the, the the part that and one thing I've sort of learned from from this is when you do have those those thoughts, um, the number one thing that I used to do was that reassurance matter of yeah. like you know you'd ask people if they say you know, oh you don't think this do you and you'd sort of I'd look to people for reassurance yeah. of the problem, yeah, which is not except it's not going to help long term yeah, yeah. in that stuff. So yeah. by taking out the fact that if it's true or not, it's just not going to help to get to where you want to be. Yeah, sort of it eliminates that as well. It does. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I like that. So all of this is kind of then in the service of your values, but even that's not enough. It's it's because if you're just living your values, but you're doing an automatic pilot, you're not f- focusing. You know, mm. you want to be the people that the person that people come to. But if you're not present, if you're not like your listeners can't tell, but like you're really engaged and focused right now. And but if you were just staring off into space or glazed eyes, you know. <laughs> <it> would, <laughs> It would be a very different experience. So it's it's also about focusing your attention, uh, and I, I guess you know uh, on on what you're doing. If if you're doing something pleasurable and enjoyable, you're going to get much more out of it when you're really focused in it than if you're doing it on autopilot. I've heard this before, and I, I really hope this is correct. But with uh, you know anxiety, depression, or any mental illness side of things, I've heard this saying like these things occur or, or unhappiness occurs when your values don't. Uh, align with your actions yeah 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 would that yeah. make that sort of just yeah. examines what we we're talking about before yeah i, I mean we're, we're you know, all you, yeah. <laughs> no one's perfect it's, no. it's not going to happen all the time but the bigger the gap between your values and your actions uh, the more painful it is right uh, we've all done things that we regret or things that we beat ourselves up over and almost always that's because we acted against our values for sure and that's like so much of you know my stuff too it's like you have these values and you think about things in your life like everyone's you know like a drunken night or anything you know from whenever it was and you think fuck that's not who i am i'm so yeah yeah that gets you down a bit yeah yeah exactly but then it can also get you back if you go to the other person and say, look, that's not who I am. That's not what I want to be. This is what I'm really about, you mm-hmm. know. And this is one of the things that happens when we get hooked by our thoughts and feelings is they kind of – they do pull us away from our values. So if we can build up on hooking skills, it gets easier and easier to live those values. Unhooking. I mean, it's, it's such important. Um, I can't stress enough, guys. Make sure you check out this this book and we'll have it in the, in the show notes. Um, we are talking before about – anxiety and the positive sides of it too yeah what in your um yeah what's some of those uh factors because sometimes you know i have this feeling with it too it's like it's my worst enemy but it's also my best friend yeah in a sense (laughs) that's so cool yeah yeah and and so again because this is one of the things that we say in act your emotions are your allies and your most painful emotions are always telling you about really important stuff they're telling you that there's something here that needs to be addressed or dealt with. There's something you need to face up to or there's something you need to do differently. Um, and you think of the word emotion, it's got the word motion within it. It's um, Emotions have evolved mm. to help us take action, to deal with stressful, challenging situations. Or if there's nothing stressful or challenging, that's when the pleasant emotions show up and we can just enjoy ourselves. So, uh, you know, you take an emotion like, so fear is more present moment. Like there's a, if I, there was a snarling dog right there, I'd be feeling fear. But if the dog, if I'm thinking that there may be a dog there, that's more anxiety. It's a bit more future oriented, Mm. but they're, they're pretty similar really, basically. Let's just go back to caveman times. You know, fear helps you kind of uh, it put, pumps blood to the large muscles of your body so that you can fight or run away. 
Um, you know, if there's a bear chasing you, you want to be able to, to either fight it off or run away. Um, uh, so adrenaline levels rise, uh, heart rate rises, breath rate rises, your attention becomes very focused on what you need to deal with. So all of this uh, is great if you channel it into the situation that you're in, whether that's playing a footy match or whether that's talking in front of an audience or, or whatever. But uh, if you start struggling with that stuff, that's when it becomes your worst enemy because mm. now your attention's not on what you need to do, but it's on your feelings. Uh, your energy's not being invested in what you need to do, but in struggling with your feelings. So you, you can't, if we can start to accept it, then we can turn it into an ally. We can open up, make room mm. for it. It's a bit hard to, to do that uh, uh, in this podcast, but, but um, you know, it's a, a very learnable skill. It takes about 20 minutes to kind of learn how to open up and make room for these feelings. Um, physically or? Yeah, physically. Like, yeah. So the kind of, you know, so if you think about... You, Acceptance involves, there's two parts. There's kind of dealing with the thoughts the, um, and then there's also dealing with the sensations in your body, you know, the racing heart or the knots in the stomach, uh, which for a lot of people is actually even harder than, than dealing with the thoughts. Mm. But if you can learn to open up and make room for that, then you can start to get what's the message in this emotion? What's it telling me that I need to address or face up to or tackle or do differently? Yeah. Sometimes the only message is I just need to take better care of myself. Mm. But often there are other messages and often it links to your values. It's telling you something really important. With the um, the breathing technique, is that in the, the book, like the opening up the physical side? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. There's a number of different ways. Some of them involve breathing techniques. Um, uh, some more, more of them kind of just involve sort of... Uh, just, I'll do this with you so you get a sense yeah, of definitely. it. Yeah, definitely. If your um, if your listeners uh, are driving, are driving or, yeah. or, <laughs> or doing or riding a bicycle, they shouldn't do this. But yeah. it, but if you're some if you if you're in a position where it's safe for you to have your hands free and pick up a, a book or a piece of paper or any object, and the idea is just hold it tightly and. Um, just imagine that in front of you is everything that's important in your life, both the important uh, stuff that's pleasurable. Like, what are some of the pleasurable, important things in your life, Dil? Uh, my son, wife, uh, coming to work, job, family. Yeah. Watching yep. the footy tonight. Watching the footy tonight, yeah. <laughs> you know, food, music, favorite activities, yep. all that stuff. Yep. And also some of the, the important painful or difficult or boring or stressful stuff in your life that's that's not pleasant but is important needs yep. to be dealt with what would be some examples would that be things that i've sort of already looked through or well, it might like, be stuff that you're procrastinating yeah. on it might be yep. pr problems that you need to tackle it might be challenges might be a difficult conversation you have to have you yeah know, sure anything that's difficult right yeah and what you're holding now, so ideally people will have a sheet of paper or a book that they're holding with both hands. Um, or you could hold a pen or you can have a phone, something you can hold in both hands. And the idea now is to imagine that this object you're holding, you're holding the happiness trap, yeah, <laughs> is, to, is to imagine that this object is all the difficult thoughts, feelings, emotions, memories, urges, cravings, physical sensations in your body, all the stuff inside you that you don't like, you don't want, and you'd really like to get rid of. And what I'm going to ask you to do now is push it as far away from you as you possibly can. So straighten your elbows, keep tight hold of it, both hands, push it far away. Deal, you're not pushing hard enough. See if you can dislocate your shoulders there. Get it as far away. Oh, we're coming out. <laughs> and, you're, and you're screwing up your face here. So 
uh, I want you to notice three things as you're doing this, because everyone tells you to do this, right? Mm. Friends and family and Oprah Winfrey and <laughs> lots of pop psychology shows tell you to do this, get this stuff away, right? Because you don't like it, you don't want it. So first thing I'm going to ask you to notice, wh- how tiring is this? Oh, I can't hold it much longer. <laughs> we'll only do it for another half an hour. Yeah. Okay. Secondly, notice how distracting it is. Would, would you like to, you know, be present with your, your kids or watch the footy like this? No. Pretty distracting. And third notice how hard it is to take action now how hard to drive a car cuddle a baby cook dinner type on a computer now rest it on your lap and what's the difference yeah that's pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) is that less effort yeah it is and just looking over there all the important stuff in your life is it easier to focus on what you want to do yeah it is easier to be present with your kids to focus on the footy whatever just move your arms around a bit easier to drive a car cook dinner play tennis yeah yep (laughs) <laughs> That's a really good one. And notice that it's still there. It's still in your lap. Yeah. You haven't gotten rid of it, but now you've got a new way of responding to it. It's no longer holding you back, pulling you out of your life, eating up all your energy. And here's the really cool thing is if there's something useful in there, in those painful thoughts, feelings, now you can get the wisdom from them. Mm-hmm. What are they telling you to address or do differently? If there's nothing useful in there, just let it sit there. But if there is something useful, now you can use it. That's why this man sold a million books. <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's fantastic. I, I genuinely feel yeah. good. It was really interesting when you're saying that because my shoulders were like actually breaking. This one was like dislocating and you're so right. Like when you are pushing shit away, it just makes it so much harder to deal with everything else. Yeah. So that's kind of an analogy. And then then the real work is it doesn't take long to learn how to do this for real. Obviously, you know, doing it the book is different than doing it with real feelings. But um, you can learn these skills quite quickly, you know. I'd love to. Through... uh some other stuff there as well. There's like we spoke about then, like good anxiety, bad anxiety. What is toxic positivity? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean the title says it all. It's when yeah. people are just so ridiculously positive. <laughs> it's, it's don't you just hate those people? Oh my god, Fuck it's off. It, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's like you know when uh, the, I think the worst form it takes is when something really awful has happened to someone, and and one of these folks says oh this is the best thing that's ever happened to you this is a learning opportunity <laughs> oh fuck off you know it's i like, must admit that was like, me like a year ago <laughs> like i would i was so bad at that because you know when you have like your own awakening then yeah, you're like yeah. no nah, i mean i can change everyone and then you just realize <laughs> no people need to learn their own shit they do they do and it takes a long time and you keep learning you know yeah. Like, yeah i like that toxic positivity well um i think everyone will know of something um that's that's there. Um, I think it can be really I- invalidating for people. It you is. Know, it's uh, well, it's yeah. not. You know, one thing that I really uh, in this. How do you say this? There's so much incredible information out there now, and how far the world's come in mm. terms of uh, you know psychology and mindfulness and yeah. practices and all these certain yeah. bits and pieces. And it's almost like you get annoyed because you're like well, that is that's not the right way. Mm. Once you work things out yourself, yeah. I'm sure as an actual professional that studied many, many years, you yeah. would get that a lot, whereas I, I don't know anything about it. But in a way, sometimes I look at breathing techniques or whatever it is, mm. and that's a bit of a gateway into hopefully finding something like this that is long term. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, breathing techniques are complicated because there's so many different types out yeah. there and, and a lot of them are... Sorry, breathing, I didn't mean breathing techniques uh, in terms of yeah. in fully, but just yeah. little bits and pieces. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of... Um, 
Yeah, and, and and it's ongoing, and you keep learning. You know, I kind of say in the book and in every workshop that I ever run, there are times I just completely forget all of this stuff. It mm. just flies out of the window, and then I get hooked by my thoughts and feelings and jerked into self-defeating behavior, just like everyone else. But what happens is you get a bit faster, you get a bit quicker at catching yourself, a bit quicker at realizing, well, oh, just got hooked again. A bit quicker at coming back to your values. A bit quicker at uh, applying the the kind of methods. So it's it's you never get perfect there's always more to 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 do um building genuine self-confidence yeah how do you think we do that well uh (laughs) if i can dazzle you with a bit of uh, ancient word history um the word confidence actually comes from the latin com uh meaning with and fides meaning with faith so originally confidence was an act of faith it meant i'm gonna uh, or an act of trust we get words like fidelity and so forth from fides um and so it really had nothing to do with how you feel originally it was like an act of trust or an act of faith i'm going to trust myself to do what's important even if i'm terrified even if i'm absolutely shitting myself i'm going to do uh, what's important and it's only the last hundred years it's changed and now it's become to me in a feeling of certainty a feeling of assurance and absence of anxiety and doubt uh, which is very unfortunate because that feeling of confidence uh, takes a long, long, long time to come. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if you're learning a new skill, if you're stepping out of your comfort zone, you're not going to feel confident. You're going to feel anxiety and self-doubt, which is normal and helpful. Anxiety will actually help you perform better if you make it your friend. You know, Self-doubt will actually stop you from getting overconfident about your skills until you've got them. And so if we can kind of... Uh, step out of our comfort zone over and over, do the hard yakka, learn the new skills, whatever it is, and make room for the the normal nerves, anxiety, whatever you want to call it, that make room for the normal self-doubting or worrying thoughts that show up, and do that over and over and over again till we master the skill, till we've got the knowledge and experience that we need, then the feelings of confidence may come later. But it's the actions of confidence come first, the feelings of confidence come later. I love that. That's that's so cool. And it, it reminds me of um, the chat we had with Jonah as well, yeah. where on a different level, probably the next bit when it goes to the sports side of things, or not, not just sport, but uh, you know, when you're performing a task where people might get obsessed with feeling yeah. confident yeah and it's not you're getting mixed up between confidence and competence yes like exactly. knowing you can do something versus feeling yeah, confident exactly you've got to build the competence before you get the confidence mm-hmm. yeah. really like I've, I've got another book called the confidence gap yeah i like all my books to have right please titles. do what, what other <laughs> so you've got eight books uh 10 now holy yeah, shit yeah, <laughs> um but the confidence gap is very much uh, that that kind of focus it's much more whereas this is more about general happiness and depression yeah. anxiety confidence is is more specifically focused so if people are, are looking for more of a sports performance that would might be a the confidence gap yeah I actually have a, a story about that it's kind of so uh, I love stories uh, well this you know because I'm from England originally uh, and but you know I think of myself as Aussie now but when England's playing Australia in the cricket it's always like a, a hard thing and so <laughs> <laughs> and you know back in 2011 yeah, Australia had such a, a good record with the Ashes that just won year after year and um, Alistair Cook took over as captain of the English cricket team and he wasn't doing very well and he he had a, a, a lot of self-doubt a lot of anxiety his, his game was pretty off and he was really worried 
And then his coach told him to read my book, The Confidence Gap. I only know this because he wrote it in his autobiography. Wow. Um, I didn't didn't know this at the time. And, and so he, he started applying ACT to himself. It really helped him get over his <laughs> his self-doubt. And uh, and then England beat Australia in the ashes. So That's I, your fault. <laughs> it's my <laughs> fault. All my fault. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So um, it was... Uh, but, you know, so, it, 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 I mean, it just applies to everybody in every endeavor. We don't mm. have to be, you know, footy players or cricket players. It's just life, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, like, I love the, that notion of, like, sport is, is life, really. It's just mm. competitive. It's it's competing to just be happy. Yeah. Trying to be. On the other books, oh, there's 10 of them, so it's going to be hard to get through them all today. <laughs> what, would, what else would you say um, before we move back into this would be like a, a good read for our audience that you think would be well applicable. there's probably only two others that i'd mention because yep. the rest of them are kind of more technical yep. textbooks and stuff but the, the, there's one for um relationship issues um uh, that's called act with love yep. um and there's one what sort of relationship stuff is that <laughs> like spouses <laughs> friends yeah, yeah, like, yeah. well it's focused on intimate relationships yep. like your spouse or your partner um but the, the principles actually will apply to any close relationship but yeah, very much that kind of stuff uh, and then the other one is um, uh, is the reality slap another rhyming title, <laughs> Good title. Uh, that's uh, you know for grief and loss you know yeah, when reality sure. slaps you around how do you how do you cope with that and that's another case where positive toxicity is like you know be strong and grow from this and what does not kill you makes you stronger it's like yeah. bullshit you know uh. it's kind of this stuff hurts. Let's start off just by acknowledging how painful and how difficult it is. And, um, you know, a, another important piece of this is kind of self-compassion, just mm. uh, being kind to yourself. Um, and, and again, I, I find that uh, quite often from young Aussie males, there's a, a, a you know, what's this self-compassion shit, mate? You know, uh, but it's like um, it, it's it's. It's not a, a religious thing. It's just really acknowledging that you're hurting and being there in a kind way for yourself. Mm. So it's like, uh, you know, imagine you're going through a rough patch in your life. There's all sorts of difficult stuff happening. What kind of mate do you want at your side? Do you want the mate who says, ah, suck it up, stop your whinging, get on with it. You got nothing to worry about. I don't want to hear about it. Or do you want the mate at your side that says, this is really shit. I've got your back. We're in this together. Mm. We're, I'm with you every step of the way. What mate do you want? You, know? you want that one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, 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 a, it's something that I've really faced myself as well, yeah. what we are talking about earlier. And I suppose a lot of people have is exactly that, that thing of, I feel like as a person, I'm always there for people. Like yeah. if you came to me and said, by the way, can we have a chat after this? I'm yeah. going through this. I'm like, mate, Russ, like I've known mm. you for an hour. Yeah. I've got your fucking back. What do you need? Like, let's yeah. sort it out. Yeah. You're a good guy. You've done all these awesome yeah. things. Yeah. But then if I was experiencing that, I'd be like, you're a fucking weak dog. Like, <laughs> why are you feeling like this? So it's it's almost that thing that we, we talk about a lot on the show is yeah. like being your own best friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, how would you treat your mate if you were going through a situation? Exactly. And even if, like yeah. you said before, it is true. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, hey, I know this is true right now. I'm not where I want to be. Yeah. This sucks. Yeah. But let's not make the same mistake twice and we'll put some plans in place to get out of it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. One step at a time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is that, you know, I think that's a nice way. You know, the term self-compassion puts people off, but being your best friend to yourself, that's a, a nice user-friendly way of talking about it. Now that we're best friends too, and I want to make <laughs> sure that, you know, we get this on record because I'd love to get you in and talk about your other books as well because I think oh. they could have a, a really oh, massive sure. impact on um, our audience. And as I said, we live in the same area, so we can just hang out all the time and, <laughs> and do all bits and pieces. That sounds great. Fantastic. Um, 
a few more questions before we finish because I, I just am really, really um, on the edge of my seat with this. What we, we spoke about earlier, there was a question you know, I said, like, what do you think makes people unhappy? Mm-hmm. I feel like we've nearly answered that in the sense of would you still argue, uh, still agree with like going against your val, like living against your values that you yeah. put against yourself? Yeah, I mean, that, obviously, there's all the awful stuff in the world, poverty and violence and all course, that kind of yeah, stuff. But given all I've of, missed out on those, yeah, I feel. Like, yeah, but I, I <laughs> completely know, agree. Yeah. Uh, all of that. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 but you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, f- I'm guessing that that most of us, uh, most Have of you, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have got a roof over your head. You've got food. You've got water. You've got shelter. You live in a a democratic country and you know the quality of life is for most people listening to this podcast the quality of life is better than it's ever been before in human history mm-hmm. you know we, we most of us live better today than kings and queens lived 200 years ago so um if you've got all of those basics what is it that is going to give you a meaningful life it's kind of living your values and, and engaging in what you're doing but going back to people that really are in awful situations so about seven years ago i wrote a program for the world health organization for using act in refugee camps wow um and they've been delivering this in refugee camps you know places like uganda and syria and turkey some of these are just massive you know like 100 200,000 people living in tents in the middle of the desert and all day long in the refugee camp, you've got choices. You, you can't just magically leave, but there's choices. There's people in the tent with you. Now, you can be kind and loving and supportive to the people in your tent, or you can be hostile and aggressive, or you can be distant and isolated. And those choices will alter the experience within the tent. And then when you leave the tent, same thing. You, there's neighbors in the other tents. You can be friendly, cooperative, supportive, kind, or you can be hostile, aggressive, or you can isolate yourself. You can join in with the community activities in the refugee camp, uh, the football and prayer and singing and communal tasks, or you can isolate yourself. And so all day long there are choices you make that, that won't turn your life into something blissful but will alter the quality of life within those awful circumstances and what's really cool when they asked me to do this i i you know i just thought this is just going to be useless i you know it was, it was basic i didn't think that this would work but they um they researched this and they, they actually published th- three three studies on this and what they found was that from 10 hours of act so they, they were kind of delivered in groups in the refugee camp they'd have about 20 people in a in a hut and it would be delivered through audio recordings basically um, which they translated into different languages wow. um, and so they, they listen for kind of like two hours a week and they'd practice the different exercises and they'd do that for five weeks running so they got about 10 hours training and just from that significant reductions in depression and post-traumatic stress disorder even while in those awful situations so it can make a difference incredible wow that that's yeah i can't imagine like one being in that situation but two having to Mm. find that that, like that stuff is still relevant in in any situation possible yeah um change of pace on on that but i just in terms of I'd love to get your opinion on this and I might butcher the the story on it. But when um, my dad yeah, went through some addiction stuff with, with alcohol through his you know journey and I remember doing like a lot of research on it myself. And when I say research, 
I was watching YouTube videos. Like, it wasn't like I was reading like you know who articles or anything like that. But I was, I was, uh, I was watching videos, and there was this one that popped up one day a TED talk on addiction, uh-huh. and it spoke about they did this like study on um, mice, yeah. and it was two different like uh, you know little areas, and there was mice that had um, water laced with just uh, water, and then there was water and heroin, mm-hmm. and they were in this like cage with like nothing at all but mm. just the water and they were just by themselves and they just went and drank the water with heroin every time they got addicted to the, the drug. Yeah. Then there was the other cage that had like other mice in it, had a spinning wheel, had beds, had other food, had the water yeah. and then the water with the heroin and all they did was drink the water. Yeah. And the TED talk that it was talking about was discussing the fact that like, you know, if you have, if you're a good person, like, look, if you're engaged in community, if you're, you know, physically active, you're surrounded by a community, mm. you're engaged in, you know, good things and you're not you're less likely to be engaging in things that are gonna be bad for you than good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that experiment has been replicated hundreds of times. Yeah, right. It's yeah. rock solid, you know. Uh, it's, it's good quality science. Uh, uh, and, and so, yeah, uh, you know, this is the thing. If you start living your values, reaching out to others, doing the important stuff, building a meaningful life. But you need those unhooking skills mm. because sometimes even just thinking about doing that <laughs> brings up the, the anxiety monster and it's all too hard and, yeah. you know, uh, all those kind of self-defeating um, thoughts, you know, oh, I can't be bothered and all this kind of stuff. It, it's, uh, it, you know, I mean, we talk about leaving the comfort zone, right? As soon as you leave the comfort zone, discomfort shows up. So how am I going to make room for all those uncomfortable thoughts and feelings? For sure. And yeah. even for someone, um, you know, speaking on my own behalf, that's that's really, I love meeting new people, mm. love putting myself in uncomfortable situations. Sometimes, like, I still get, you know, those such uncomfortable feelings. So for, yeah. for people that maybe aren't as um, advanced on that journey yet, like, yeah. it is a skill that is so... Um, big and I'm really wary of going. Hey, everyone, go join a fucking community group or cricket club yeah. tomorrow. Like, maybe the first step is like talking to the barista and saying hello. How was your morning? Like, yeah. and it builds that that like uh, comfort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Each time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Baby steps, small mm. steps over time. A- again, that's a rock solid scientific principles being yeah. studied over and over. I'm a scientist. Cool. There you go. That's <laughs> what um, <laughs> we had was trauma dropping an anchor. This is actually a big thing that we did in in the refugee camp uh, uh, scenario because uh, we n- know that people in refugee camps usually they've had multiple traumas, multiple losses. I mean, just awful things that mm. they've been through. Plus, the ongoing stress of living in a refugee camp is enough to traumatize anyone, even without all of that. Uh, so dropping anchor is a really uh, simple practice. Basically, it's called dropping anchor because if your boat's sailing into the harbour, you've got a boat, right? I've got a couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? Uh, but, you know, if your boat's sailing into the harbour and there's a big storm blowing up, the first thing I- that you've got to do is drop anchor. If you don't drop anchor, the storm's going to sweep your boat out to sea or smash it against the rocks. Um, and so when our own emotional storms blow up, a big storm of anxiety or guilt or anger or whatever, 
whatever it is, uh, so often they just sweep us away and they, they just jerk us around and carry us off in different directions and uh, pull us away from our values. So in the same way that you drop anchor to keep a boat steady during a storm, we drop anchor on ourselves to keep ourselves steady during a big emotional storm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a kind of simple practice. I mean, I can take you through a, like a, a, a one-minute version of it. Please if you do. Like. I'd yeah. love to. Uh, so I feel like I should, you should be charging for this. So <laughs> send an invoice later. Uh, <laughs> again, if, if people... I have private uh, health, so it's all good. <laughs> if not... If people are driving or riding yeah, yeah, bicycles, don't ride and uh, close your eyes, please. Yeah, if you're it's doing brain good. surgery, don't don't yeah. do this now. You know, I um, think brain but, surgeons are listening to this podcast. <laughs> I'll just quickly. <laughs> um, so it's just a three-part formula. Uh, you can remember with ACE. So the A is for acknowledge the stuff that's happening inside mm-hmm. you, acknowledge your thoughts and feelings. The C is for connect with your body. And then the E is for engage in what you're doing. And usually you would run through that ACE cycle two or three times. Uh, so let's just do it now. So can I just take a moment, just to, um, acknowledge the thoughts that are popping up for you, acknowledge the feelings, whatever you can feel in your body right now, not trying to control it or change it. You're just acknowledging that it's there, whatever the thoughts and feelings are. And if there's something uncomfortable or unpleasant, you're just allowing it, just acknowledging, okay, it's an uncomfortable feeling or an uncomfortable thought right now. And then the C is basically uh, connecting with or coming back into your body. So kind of I'm pushing my feet into the floor, I'm straightening my back, I'm having a stretch. Uh, Anything that just gets you moving or stretching uh, or breathing, uh, you know, you can take a deep breath if you like, but just a sense there's a body around your thoughts and feelings, right? You know, there's thoughts and feelings here and there's a body that you can move. And then the E is for just engaging in what you're doing. So look around, notice where you are, Notice what you can see here, breathe in the air, and then refocus on the activity that you're doing, which for you and me right now is having this conversation. Can I run through that one more time? Please do. Okay, so again, just kind of acknowledging whatever thoughts and feelings are there, not trying to change them, not trying to control them, even if they're unpleasant, just acknowledging this is here right now. And thoughts, feelings, anything that's happening. And then once again, connecting with your body. So I'm, I'm sitting up a bit more. I'm stretching a bit more. Whoa. Yeah. And you're cracking your knuckles. Yeah. That was you. <laughs> Breathing, moving. And, and then once again, engaging in the world around you, kind of looking around, noticing where you are, noticing what you're doing. So noticing there's thoughts and feelings here, not trying to distract you from them, not trying to control them, just acknowledging they're here and a body that you can move so you can do all sorts of stuff with and engaging, bringing your attention back to to what you're doing right here, right now. So that's the gist of it. And and what happened as you did that? I loved it. Well, I just just started, came back to where I was, felt present. Yeah, it was good. So for me, before going back to that point of when I do have those feelings, it's like push away rather than accept. Mm. So just going, yeah, you know, they're here. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. I'm enjoying them. I'm not, but you know, just they're in there. Yeah. So obviously, this is harder when there are really difficult thoughts and feelings. But with practice, I have had this is something that it's very similar to exactly what I was talking about before. Yeah. The um the other method, which is exactly the same. Yeah. It's um yeah really really helpful. So this is what we get 
people in the refugee camps doing when they're having flashbacks of these horrors and these awful memories and you know feelings of intense fear and anxiety or anger you know it's kind of acknowledging it and coming back into their bodies and re-engaging in what they're doing it makes a difference you know incredible hey russ i honestly can't thank you enough for today mate you've been extremely really generous with your time and oh. I've, I've learned so much i actually want to get you out here so i can start reading this um <laughs> well thanks so much no nah, because it's, it's been incredible i really yeah. do appreciate it and would love to have you part of the family whenever you're around oh, yeah. come on in and oh, thank um, you. we can do it again can you see my my hands are still sweaty i don't know why you're sweaty man <laughs> uh, you know we, hey, it is warm in here but um no it's just it's you know it's uh it's a challenging situation yeah you, know, you, you you're great you kind of put me at my ease and all of that but still there's like a a level of you know, am I going to be coherent? Am I going to yeah. get the message across? How are people going to receive oh, this? Yeah. It's a, so it's like it's a it's a normal response. And if my hands weren't sweaty, you probably wouldn't know, right? No, uh, but you know, when I get that feeling is, <laughs> in all seriousness, I get the exact same feeling on Sunday night yeah. at about 9 p.m. Yeah. before the release comes out of the episode. <laughs> and I go, you said some shit that didn't make sense. You are an absolute imbecile. But and then I go... My th you know, I'm like, oh, I'm having that feeling again that I'm an imbecile. Now that uh, I've learned that, I'll put into test next <laughs> Sunday night before this episode comes out. But I think it just shows like we all experience things in such different ways. Yeah. In the moment, sometimes yeah. I feel sweet, but it's like yeah. when things have passed and it's like, yeah. uh, Lovely. Thanks thank so you, mate. Much. I really appreciate it. Absolute star. And um, can people get this anywhere online? The Happen Strip? Yeah, you can get it. You can get it at all good bookstores. You can get it at crappy bookstores too. Yep. It's, uh, <laughs> It's online. It's uh, it's everywhere. Awesome. Yeah. We'll have the link um, in the show notes of uh, the Happiness Trap as well. And Matt, I'm gonna. I think what we would actually do is we're gonna buy a few dust and do a little giveaway for everyone because I know how much they'll be keen to get their hands on this bad boy. Oh wow! Yeah, I'd love okay. to. Thank cool. you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, that'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest, or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at producer.com. Thanks for tuning in. IlyXX. KO's got you covered this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. Wow, in the AFL this week, there are some huge games. Collingwood versus Adelaide, live with no ad break string play, exclusive in Victoria. Giants versus Bulldogs. Oh, I remember that game. I think it was 2016 at Giants Stadium to get the Bulldogs into the grand final. I will never forget that one. Live with no ad breaks free during play, exclusive in Victoria. And Essendon versus North Melbourne. Geez, that's the old Ben McKay Cup. Exclusive to Fox Footy, available on KO. Don't forget those NBA playoffs. They are dominating at the moment. It is just getting bigger and better than ever. Watch every game of both Eastern and Western Conferences finals live with ESPN on KO. There's plenty of room for everyone, no matter what you want to watch. So get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble.